0: Here we go. It's law and gospel on this Monday, December the 5th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Baker, and we like taking a look at the lessons for the following Sunday, which will be the third Sunday in Advent, December the 11th, 2022. The lessons are from Isaiah chapter 35, James Chapter 5, and the one we're going to be looking at is Matthew chapter 11. So without further ado, let's start with chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 2. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? or shall we look for another? Now, scholars have disagreed over whether or not John is sending his disciples to ask that question, because he himself doesn't know the answer, or he knows the answer, but he wants his disciples to have a better relationship with Jesus, because John may be aware of the fact that being in prison under Herod, he might never get out. And of course, we know what happened. He was beheaded. So he to his disciples, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now, this is in light of the fact that John when he was referencing Jesus Christ at the baptism, he said, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me is greater than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He also was aware that Jesus had come to take away the sins of the world. So I have the opinion that John knew the answer to the question, but he wanted to have his disciples know the answer also from the words of Jesus. So they asked Jesus the question, and Jesus answers them. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not, who is not offended by me. Now, why does Jesus say these items? Because these are found in the Old Testament particularly in the book of Isaiah, as evidence of who the Messiah is. When the Messiah comes, who's going to be bringing in the kingdom of heaven, he's going to give us insight into that kingdom of heaven, with the blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, the lepers being cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. This is therefore a fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament. It's very, very important to understand that Jesus does not use human reason to give an answer to the disciples because there is no human reason that can be understood by an unbeliever. He instead goes to the scripture. This is something we learn after the resurrection when two of the disciples are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus appears before them. But they don't recognize him at first. And so they're kind of surprised that he was unaware of the crucifixion that had taken place on that Friday. And they themselves could not understand what some of the women had said, that Jesus had risen from the dead. So what did Jesus do to convince them? He began to quote the Bible verses from the Old Testament. That's how you and I also bring someone into the Christian faith by quoting the Bible verses, not just from the Old Testament books, but also from the New Testament, the words of Jesus, the things he did. And the Holy Spirit takes those words and creates faith in the heart of an unbeliever to fulfill what David had asked for. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit before you. So, Jesus' answer that he is the one that they were looking forward to, if you go to the Old Testament, that's the Messiah. That's the Hebrew word, by the way, for the Greek word Christ the anointed one. And it starts right in the beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve hearing God speak to the serpent saying that from the seed of Eve will come the one who will save the world and redeem it. This of course is foretold in the book of Daniel when God the Father, as the Ancient of Days, instructs the Son of Man, who is Jesus Christ, to go and redeem the world. And Jesus does that. We are rescued by Jesus, which is the Advent theme on Wednesday nights that we're dealing with. In the first Wednesday night, we spoke about rescue by his incarnation. Now, a lot of people, when they hear the word incarnation, namely that Jesus became flesh, and you ask them, when did that occur? They will often say Christmas. But Christmas is not the event of his incarnation. It's the event of his birth. When did the incarnation take place? That is when Jesus, in his divine nature, also received a human nature. And that occurred when Gabriel the angel met with Mary to tell her that she would bear a child who would be the Son of God. And that would occur conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So that incarnation took place at the words of Gabriel because right after that, Mary had gone to visit Elizabeth, and when she entered the home of Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the baptizer for six months, he leaped in her womb for joy because he recognized that Jesus was in the womb of Mary. How did that happen? He wasn't even born, John the baptizer. But Gabriel had told his father that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from before his birth. You see, when a person has the Holy Spirit, wow, that really does make a difference and there is a recognition of Jesus as the one who has come into the world. But whether John the baptizer in the womb recognized Jesus as God and not just as the Messiah is unclear. We do know that he did believe that Jesus was the one who the Old Testament people were looking forward to seeing and coming. Now in verse 7, this is Matthew 11, the disciples left Jesus and Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John the baptizer. He asked them questions. In fact, a lot of the mission of Jesus occurred, not by his making statements of fact, but asking questions. Remember, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And then who do you think I am? And some said, well, some think you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead, or a prophet, etc. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, That came from my Father. You are correct, John. Uh, and therefore, he told him that that was the truth to the disciples. Very important here. He's asking about John the Baptist. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? what then did you go out to see? Because that's not why they went. A man dressed in soft clothing? No. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? And then Jesus affirms, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Now, if John the baptizer was considered by God to be a prophet, that meant that he was sent by God to foretell the message of Jesus Christ. What does it mean that he was more than a prophet? Well, Jesus quotes a Bible verse from the Old Testament. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Now, you really got to break that up. Who is the your, who is the way, who is before you? It's clear that God is promising that he will send a messenger before the face of Jesus, to prepare the way of Jesus in your life. Now, what does that mean? How can you prepare someone for the coming of Jesus? Well, it's kind of like at Christmas, we often prepare our households for The arrival of guests. They could be relatives, mom or dad or brothers or sisters. But what do we do to prepare the household? Well, we make Christmas food. I loved when I was a child to go and visit my grandmother at Christmas because she was a tremendous German cook. And there were delicious cookies and cakes, pastries, and, of course, great sandwiches. And that was something in which she prepared Christmas for the coming of her relatives. So how do you prepare someone for the coming of Jesus? Well, as you prepare a household for the coming of your relatives at Christmas, you prepare it in such a way that people will enjoy hearing about the coming of your relatives and family and will be able to have conversation with them and have their needs met in order to once more be introduced to your family and relatives. Well, why is it necessary to prepare the way for Jesus? What is Jesus bringing to prepare people for? He's bringing with him the forgiveness of sins. And in bringing the forgiveness of sins, the only people that are going to be prepared for his coming are those who recognize their need for the forgiveness of sins. And that was the task of John the baptizer. He did a baptism of repentance. This was not a sacrament like the baptism that would come later at Pentecost when people would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. This was a preparation. It was a preparation for the coming of the Lord. And and so the coming of the Lord is regarded kind of as a highway, but that means that it needs to be something smooth and level. Mountains Need to be removed and valleys need to be filled in. What are those mountains and valleys? Well, there are some people who think so highly of themselves that they don't think they need a messenger to tell them about the coming of the forgiveness of sins because they don't think they need the forgiveness of sins. So they are proud of their works. They think that by their works they're going to be saved. The baptism of repentance was one in which you would confess your sins before Almighty God. And therefore, you are prepared for hearing of the rescue by God Himself to take away those sins. And that was the message of john the baptizer he would lower the prideful mountains of those who did not think they needed a savior and he would raise the valleys of those who felt so depressed because of their sins that they felt there was no way that they could be forgiven or be taken into heaven pastors find that even among members of the christian church as they near death their sins are overwhelming in their minds and they can hardly imagine how heaven is going to be their home that's why it's necessary not only to preach the message of john the baptizer namely repentance but also the message of Jesus Christ, namely the forgiveness of sins. This helps us to understand the following verses that are taught by John in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? Well, in the birth of John the Baptist, something happened that had not occurred in the birth of any other human being born of a woman. And that was in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit From before one's birth to the point that he would jump for joy in the womb of his mother when Jesus came into his presence. Now, it's the next sentence that really seems to be difficult to understand. After saying that no one has arisen so far who is greater than John the Baptist, Jesus continues. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? Well, the key phrase is referring to the kingdom of heaven. There are a number of ways in which the kingdom of heaven can be understood. First of all, any believer, even in the Old Testament, would be considered as part of the kingdom of heaven. Then you have the believers who have been baptized in the sacrament of baptism from Pentecost. They're also in the kingdom of heaven. Then you have when a believer dies, his spirit goes to be with Jesus. That's also in the kingdom of heaven. And then finally, on judgment day, the bodies of all the saints are resurrected from the dead to join with their spirits, who may already be in the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, they live an eternity with the Holy Trinity in body and spirit in the kingdom of heaven. But how is a common Christian greater than John the baptizer? That's the question. And the answer is that those who are least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he because his message was one of law, namely, repent of your sins. And the only way he could show people that they were sinners is by using the laws that were written by Moses, the Ten Commandments. And he showed how soldiers were sinners, how common people were sinners. But Jesus came with a greater message, and that was the message of the gospel. In fact, the verse itself helps us to understand why John the baptizer is not as great as he who is in the kingdom of heaven. Because it says in verse 12, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. That's referring, of course, to the persecution of Christians who are taken by force. But listen to verse 13. For all the prophets, and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, Jesus says, he is Elijah who is to come. Because that's what's promised in the books of the Old Testament. That a prophet in the likeness of Elijah will come. In fact, the people in Jesus' day were aware of that prophecy, because when Jesus is on the cross and calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says it in the Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lamathabastani," And some people may have thought he was calling on Eli, Elijah. No, that was the word for my God. That was not the name of Elijah. But they knew that Elijah had been prophesied. So that's why they thought Jesus was calling out to him. But Jesus makes very clear in Matthew 11, namely verse 14, if you are willing to accept it, in other words, if you believe what I tell you. He is Elijah who is to come. And what was the purpose of Elijah coming? In order to preach the prophets and the law to show that we were sinners, to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ, who would preach the gospel. And the gospel is your sin's are forgiven. So it's kind of like deciding to go to a restaurant. You don't do that right after you have a Thanksgiving meal. You don't say, let's go to the buffet down the street because people will not be hungry for a buffet after a big Thanksgiving meal. Elijah, he knew the buffet was coming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he prepared people for that buffet of the tremendous blessings, read the Beatitudes in Matthew, and the many other comforts that come through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's why someone in the kingdom of heaven who also has received the gift of the Holy Spirit but also has a message of the gospel to share with others why he is greater than John the Baptizer, who used the law to preach his message. So, on tomorrow's Law & Gospel, we'll be talking about John the Baptizer in the hymn entitled Heart, A Thrilling Voice Is Sounding. Be with us when we examine the words of that hymn to show how important is John the Baptizer. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.